Would you please bow your heart with me as we go to the Father? Father, we love you, and we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for somehow you see us different than we see ourselves. But you order our path. Father, we thank you for this moment that you have brought all of us together to spend time at your feet, to spend time in your word. And Lord, we just pray in this moment that you, by your spirit, in the name of Jesus, you would anoint our hearts, anoint your word, open our hearts to you, open our hearts to your word. Help us to see what you want us to see. May your spirit sit beside each of us and point us through your word. Be our teacher, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. You're worthy of all praise. And we praise you for what you are doing and what you are going to do. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Today we're going to look in scripture where Jesus gives us the commandment of compassion. This is a commandment that doesn't perhaps get as much attention as the others, but I assert that not only is it an important commandment, it is vital to the life and health of a, a vital life and growth of a healthy church body. It's essential. <clears throat> Oxford defines compassion as sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. As we open the word today, I would like to ask a couple of questions to kind of guide our thinking. Do we recall a moment in our life where we were truly needed to be shown compassion? We needed to be shown compassion. How about a moment we were presented with the opportunity to show compassion? Now, because Jesus was such an amazing teacher, he didn't just say, here's my command on compassion, just do it. Although he could have. No, he allowed a conversation to develop, setting up a beautiful opportunity to describe this command in a story, bringing it right to the hearts of all who will listen. So hopefully that's us. So I'd like you to join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25. I'll read the first few verses for a moment. Verse 25, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let's walk back through those verses a little more carefully. Verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? An expert in the law, on a mission to match wits with this young teacher on the rise, and perhaps he wants to make a name for himself with the other law experts. If only he knew he was facing his creator, who knew no defeats. 
Verse 26, this is Jesus speaking. He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Notice that second question. We can see Jesus knows the lawyer's game by his follow-up question. How do you read it? How, how are you making an exception for yourself? In verse 27, he, the lawyer, answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.5. And your neighbor as yourself. This phrase, he's quoting Leviticus 19.18. So the lawyer thought he was presenting the exam, but just now took the bait and chooses to answer from two places in the law. Verse 28. And he, Jesus, said to him, the lawyer, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And that phrase, and you will live, Jesus is quoting Leviticus 18.5. Nothing to see here, right? Just two lawyers citing law, presenting their arguments. Verse 29. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, that who is my neighbor? This verse is where it gets personal. The lawyer was on a mission to justify himself. The original word for justify here in the Greek means to absolve from guilt or charges. So what was he running from in his conscience? Did something recently play out that's weighing on his mind? Don't forget, he, the lawyer, is the one who quoted the neighbor part of the law to Jesus, not the other way around. So without question, it would seem there is something he is trying to excuse away. Something big enough that it prompted him to address it in this same conversation as eternal life. Now let's enter the story Jesus tells as he answers this question, who is my neighbor? Let's start at verse 30. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Going from Jerusalem to Jericho, this road was famous for its danger. This was a treacherous road with steep change in elevation, I believe 3,300 feet over 17 miles, and was notorious for bands of thieves. So now Jesus has the rapt attention of his audience. Perhaps some may have wanted to ask, why was this man so foolish to go that way by himself? Well, now we have this traveler lying in the dirt, half dead, beaten, beaten on by multiple guys, left broken, battered, and bleeding. Does he have needs? Does he have needs? Verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. Can you almost hear the collective sigh of the audience? Oh, help is on the way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Say what? The priest actually made the extra effort to move away from the need and continue on his way? So likewise, verse 32, a Levite, when he came to the place, okay, maybe this guy is the one assigned to handle these types of challenges, saw him and passed by on the other side. Can we see the confusion on the faces of those in the audience? This is bad, Jesus. 
Why would you tell this story and purposely not let the half-dead man get the help he needs? Was it going to pass right over their head that he was sharing this for their benefit? Since I'm certain the crowd is speculating, why don't we join them? Why would these two guys move away from a clear need we know they saw? Perhaps fear? The robbers could return. I can't risk the, ri- I can't risk the danger. Maybe they thought the man was beyond help. This need is bigger than what I can do. Maybe a tight schedule. I've got somewhere to be. Somebody else will certainly come along, feeling the pressure of their own needs. We are left with speculation because Jesus doesn't clarify the why in this story. But notice what is not left to speculation. Their identity. These two were men of God. They spend all their time in God's work, yet when they saw a need, they avoided it. Why? They had no compassion. God, lead us and teach us by your Holy Spirit. So let's continue in this story that Jesus is telling in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. A Samaritan. Do you hear the gasps? A Samaritan. Are you serious? Did he have to go there? Yes. Jesus goes there because he likes to reveal what's in the heart. A Samaritan. A man considered an outcast by Jews and their laws. If anyone had justification to keep his distance, it was this guy. Notice the language is different in this verse. He is on a journey. So perhaps a business trip. He's got time constraints, contacts waiting him on the other side. He comes over to him. Has compassion on the beaten man. Let's watch verse 34. He went to him and bound up his wounds. So he got uncomfortable and he got his hands dirty. Pouring on oil and wine. He is now personally invested. Then he set him on his own animal. Cutting his own pace of travel in half. He's now walking on foot. And brought him to an inn and took care of him. He is now the stranger's personal caregiver. Verse 35. And the next day. (laughs) Those four words. And the next day. So what it's saying is, he just took care of this man all night. How much sleep has he lost over the needs of a perfect stranger? Do we Do we lose sleep over the needs of those that God has brought in our lives? Continuing in verse 35, he took out two denarii, so a total of two full day's wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, whatever, I will repay you when I come back. Do we recognize how vulnerable this man has just made himself? In verse 36, Jesus asks, which of these three 
do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Well, the answer is going to be obvious. But he wants to make sure this guy recognizes we're all listening. Which of these three do you think? But notice Jesus has turned around the lawyer's burning question. No doubt the lawyer assumed it was up to others to prove they were his neighbor. They were his neighbor. It was a commonly held belief among the religious ranks that their neighbors were only those who were the righteous. Certainly not sinners or tax collectors and especially not Samaritans. And Jesus just tosses that premise making it abundantly clear that each has a responsibility to be a neighbor, especially to those in need. The lawyer has no escape. He must answer this question in front of the very audience he sought. Verse 37, he, the lawyer, said, the one who showed him mercy. The original word here for mercy in the Greek means active compassion. Active compassion. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. In other words, you want to inherit eternal life after loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Go show compassion to your neighbors in need. So, let's fast forward 2,000 years. How are we doing on the compassion front? At this juncture, I'm only speaking to the heart of the issue, not the actions that we would take. We'll get to that in a moment. Are we moved in our hearts when we see the needs of our coworkers, the needs of our neighbors, the needs of extended family? How about the needs of those who we fellowship with? Do we allow ourselves to be moved with compassion in this space right here? I wonder how much our perspective might change if we were to find out that God is the one directing that person in our life across our path. You see, in this story told by Jesus, the two men of God were so big, busy focusing on their mission for God that they missed their mission from God. Do we see that? They were so focused on their mission for God that they missed their mission from God. Do we do this? Perhaps we all have. Maybe for all the right reasons. We laser focus on what we need to accomplish for him and we don't recognize he is sending us an assignment disguised in an interruption. Isn't there an old saying to that effect? God is so often witnessed in life's interruptions. Maybe we're caught up in our own pressures or have some fears of not knowing what to say or how to respond. Or perhaps we're simply recognize that what they need is far beyond our capacity to help. But what if God was looking for us to point them back to him in the first place? Is he not in command of all resources? Is he sovereign or is he not? Is he in full command of all resources? Is he not sovereign with power over every need, over every hurt, over every grief, over every challenge, over every despair? 
Is he not sovereign? Do we not serve a God who has announced countless times in his word that he just wants us to trust him? So will we trust him? Will we trust him? Will we remember the same God with whom we have entrusted our eternal salvation can also be trusted to handle these momentary temporal needs? We can trust him with our eternity. Can we trust him with the need that stands in front of us? Brothers and sisters, let us be challenged in our view of how big God really is. Let us be challenged to hold a view of God that is truly worthy of him. Maybe in our heart, we want to pray with someone at work, someone on our street, someone in our family, but we know they don't know Jesus. Can we choose to pray for others? Not based on what they believe, but based on who we know? I know God doesn't gift everyone as an evangelist. I know he says this in his word, that's one of the gifts. I know we don't all have that extra special gift of engaging everyone we meet in a conversation about salvation. But can we offer to pray with people? If we offer to pray with people, we are showing them their need matters to us, their need matters to God, and we trust God to provide what they need. So let's ask to pray with them. What's the worst that can happen? They can tell us no the first time. Okay. We are still in that case making the statement to them, even if they reject it and want nothing to talk about. We have let them know your need matters to me and I trust God with it. I'll be here when you change your mind. But how about here in the church family? Sometimes people are carrying so much on their hearts and minds. They are weighed down. They've overcome a lot just to be here for the service. Overcome doubts. Push past discouragement. Overridden physical pain. Drag themselves over a mountain of grief. And all they need is a brother or sister who is willing to ask, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? Can we go to the Father together? How's our compassion? We don't have to have all the answers. We already know the one who does. So can we offer to pray with them? In Matthew 21, 13, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 56, 7 with, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. We have a lot of great things going on here. Great teams full of servants' hearts, all of them indispensable. Foundation of the, of the faithful church is fidelity to the word, of course. But if we don't have prayer, who are we? What are we? This is essential. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I wonder if we grasped the depth of this passage. Think about this. If Jesus came to fulfill all the old law and bearing one another's burdens fulfills the law of Christ, 
exactly how much value has God placed on our coming alongside someone and praying with them. I personally believe a clear, word, a clear way to view the body of Christ is to see it as a hospital. Some days we're the clinician praying with somebody as we walk alongside them through their challenge. Other days we're the patient and we need the prayer. Brothers and sisters, let this hospital be filled with a light of compassion. And what does this light signal to all? Here is help. Here is hope. Here is home. Here is healing. (laughs) The great physician, the divine healer is here, and he does not turn any patients away for lack of coverage or insufficient co-pays. He just says, come, come, come. So do we go to the Father together with each other? Sometimes we might feel it's uncomfortable. I don't know what they want. Be gentle in asking. Be okay with hearing no. Sometimes hearing that no tells you you need to, when you walk away, really start praying for them. Maybe they're not ready to talk. They're not ready to be opened up. It's okay. But we need to be having compassion, and we need to be in prayer for each other. How is our compassion? Are we moved? Are we moved by the needs of others? I believe that God himself divinely appoints certain people and needs to cross our paths to give us these incredible opportunities to share him and show who he is. This is the purpose they have come across our path. So how are we doing with that? Will we be so focused on our mission for God that we miss our mission from God? This is the question each of us will need to give an answer for. What will we do with a commandment of compassion? Amen? To God be all the glory. Pray with me, please. Father, we love you, and we are so grateful for who you are and all that you are. We're grateful for your word. We thank you for opening your word to our heart. We pray that everyone takes what you have shown them home with them. Father, we just pray that you open our eyes to what you want us to see in our life, ourself and others. We pray, Father, that you will break our hearts for what breaks yours. We pray that as one, as one lyric says, if we are the body, how come our hands aren't reaching? Guide us, teach us. You've already said you are a willing teacher. Help us to be willing students to pursue you in this commandment of compassion. Father, we lift this time up to you in the name of Jesus, praising you for all that you are doing. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, amen. amen brother.